listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Tonight, um, on this 17th day of the fast, I want to deal with this subject about how to combat frustration uh, in your your life. Janine said it truly does help, and the Victory Tribe group page is helping. People posting their testimonies, uh, prayer requests, people are coming together, and I love that we're doing it together. Um, It's an interesting thing when you have so many believers that are constantly battling frustration, it seems like. And then you start to ask yourself, what in the world is going on? Why are so many people frustrated? Why are so many people battling that throughout their lives in the kingdom of God? Whereas if we're Christians, if we're following the word, if we're obedient to God's instructions, we should be going from faith unto faith, victory unto victory, uh, favor unto favor. And so it should be nonstop increase and breakthrough until Jesus comes. But many people are frustrated with life and they're, they're dealing with that frustration. And uh, I'm going to give you five things tonight that are going to help you to combat frustration or five, I should say it a different way. Five things that may be the cause that people stay in a frustrated place. There is a reason why people stay in a place of frustration. And, um, and so I want to encourage you with this tonight. And I'm going to just break these down for you. Then we're going to pray. And I believe that, and I see people already jumping on saying, I needed this today. This is for me today. But we're going to break that and we're going to pray and ask God to open up the way for you. Uh, and so I want you to stick around. We're going to spend time at the end of this broadcast praying. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. We're going to pray uh, some of these prayer points and believe God for breakthroughs. Um, and Vicki, we're making plans to come back to North Carolina at some point this year. So Uh, Stay tuned. We'll let you know. It'll be on the uh, website as we post our confirmed meetings. Um, But let's break these down. We'll talk about them. Um, Why are believers frustrated and how do you fight against it or combat it spiritually and from the word of God scripturally? Um, It's important, by the way, to do everything scripturally and spiritually, scripturally and spiritually. I see uh, Brittany and Joel uh, Karam on tonight. Love you guys very much. Um, Oh, that rem- and but that reminds me, me, me saying that, it reminds me, uh, if I didn't say this earlier, I didn't say it tonight, but this is the week that we're launching the Miracle Word Church prayer teams, and uh, we want you to be a part of it. Uh, we're not just praying for the launch of the church, we're not just, but beyond, praying for you, praying for our nation, and uh, so we have a men's prayer team. The reason I say it reminds me, uh, Joel's father, Brother Glenn Karam, is going to be leading us with the men, I'll be there. And um, my mother-in-law, Suzanne Heck, Carolyn's mother, is going to be leading the women's team every Tuesday night, men and women meeting at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on Zoom. We would love to have you join us as a part of our prayer teams. And uh, if you'd like to sign up to be a part, go to miracleword.com forward slash prayer team and sign up on the form. And uh, we would love to have you for that because it's going to be powerful. And uh, man, I need you to come on, join us. It's going to be great. All right. Uh, How do we deal with this? How do you deal 
with a life of frustration? Well, you have to identify, first of all, what's causing it. And you make those changes. I'm going to give you five things that I know uh, that cause frustration in people's lives. And it could be in some different area of their life. It could be with their family, could be with their business, could be in their ministry if you're a minister, could be in your own personal life. But let me, let me show you uh, what we're talking about. The first thing that I want to deal with that really causes frustration is people have, number one, no direction. People have, number one, no direction in life. If you lack direction in life, you will be frustrated. If you are floundering, if you're just coasting from one thing to another and you've got no clear direction in life, you will be frustrated. There's nothing that feels worse than not knowing where you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do. That is frustrating. In fact, there's nothing that's more fulfilling than knowing what you're called to do and doing it. Nothing. And I'm going to tell you how I know that, um, that that's the case. I saw something that was a secular statistic. It's not, not a Christian uh, research or anything. But I was reading some, some business statistics and I saw that the average American would be willing to take up to a 30% plus pay cut to go from a job that pays them better to a job that's more fulfilling to them, something they enjoy doing, something that's more fulfilling. So think about that. 30% plus pay cut the average American is willing to take to start working a job that they enjoy, something that's part of their purpose, something that they uh, uh, you know, that, that fulfills them as they do it, which shows you then, cause we're not talking about Christians. This was just a business statistic. This shows you then that money is not the most important thing to people. Isn't that interesting? Money. I'm talking, not, not talking Christians. I'm talking about even sinners. Money is not the most important thing to people because if they're willing to work for less money, you can see what means more to them. And they, these are people that were polled and answered, you know, yeah, I would. I would take a pay cut if I could do something I loved. Well, that shows you that the most important thing to them was not the paycheck, but was feeling the fulfillment of doing something that they feel is a part of who they are. And that's, that's just, that's everybody. And I think that's interesting because money doesn't really mean anything when you are constantly burning out doing something that you don't feel you have any love for, you got no calling for, it's just a career you have, a job you have, but, but really, that's why a lot of people, if you've ever noticed this, that's why a lot of people, even though they make, may work a really great job, they will still go and get involved in uh, philanthropic endeavors because they'll say, you know, I want to do something that fulfills me. I don't just want to work a job where I make great money. I want to get involved in philanthropy. I want to help. I don't care if I volunteer somewhere, work at a charity, do something. I want to do something that fulfills my life. I want something that has meaning that fulfills my life. And that's why you'll see even people, I don't care how wealthy they are. Cause you'd think people, well, he's a multimillionaire. He can just go home and sit around and in his you know, nice house and drive around. No, they still feel an emptiness. I got to get involved with something that fulfills what I feel is my purpose. I got to do something that brings me fulfillment. 
Otherwise, you can do and work that empty job and do, do all that you do and still feel empty inside and still not feel fulfilled and still feel like you're coasting through life. Still feel that because really it's about your purpose. It's really about what God's called you to do. And people that don't know their direction, people that don't know their calling, what a frustrating way to live, to coast through. I've had people say to me, man, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm uh, called to do, but I just can't seem to get, you know, how do I hear? But the key, and that's why I'm so glad that we're involved in this, is because fasting and prayer is a wonderful antidote to people that have not yet heard from God. You know, a- average person, uh, until really we started pressing this, it, it's funny, my cousin called me up and he said, you know, we're, we're leading the charge in, in a way. It's, we're, we're, we're bringing victory in this area of fasting prayer. So many churches stopped doing it. So many churches stopped doing it. And there were some that obviously uh, were still pushing very hard. Dr. Bob Rogers in Louisville, Kentucky, still pressing very hard for fasting and prayer. Uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin uh, in Georgia also has a church in California pressing very hard for fasting and prayer. But you know, there's, can I tell you, uh, these churches that we follow, like Bishop David Oyedepo, Pastor Enoch Adeboye, nobody knew who they were. I mean, how would you even know who they were? They're in Nigeria. Until uh, my cousin and I started talking about them all the time, putting up their teaching, putting out their books for people to find. But here's churches that are involved heavily in fasting and prayer. But it seemed like for a long period of time, there was a lull and churches weren't fasting and praying uh, at, a, at a, you know, a large level. But, um, and those people that would mock it and say, well, that's not important and you don't need to do that. And, you know, you can just fast sugar. No, do what the Bible says. And so there's, there's people that they just weren't doing it for years. But it seems like now there's a hunger, there's a resurgence of people that are hungry. Well, it's, I'm glad we're involved in it because this is really one of the main things that you can do to quiet your flesh and to hear the voice of the Lord. And even though there's a resurgence, there's still a lot of people that just aren't doing it, just aren't doing it. But let me tell you, if that's the norm, then guess what? People aren't spending time crucifying their flesh. And so the flesh just stays strong and then ends up ruling your life. People aren't sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They're not hearing his voice. And it's hard to discover your purpose if you can't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying that you have to fast in order to hear the voice of the Spirit. You can hear his voice without fasting, but it helps because one of the things you have to break through is that flesh that wars against your spirit. That helps immensely. And so you'll go through the word of God. And many times things were, and I put it in, if, if you haven't gotten a chance to grab a copy of uh, this, a complete guide to biblical fasting, I deal with it in here. Th- some of the things that uh, happened when people were fasting and praying. Well, one of the things, um, it was churches and ministries were launched and uh, uh, men of God were set apart for the work of God. And there's all kinds of things that happen. But one of the things is it crucifies your flesh. Well, many people, their flesh is too strong. They're, they're carnal in their uh, atmosphere and their actions. And so what I'm telling you tonight is it's a wonderful thing that we're in a time of fasting and prayer uh, because it crucifies the flesh, but also makes you more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And um, it's amazing because that's where your purpose is going to come from. You got to hear what the Lord's telling you to do. 
That's right. Brother Glenn said the carnal mind is at enmity with God, is at war. It's fighting against the spirit of God and fighting against your regenerated spirit, Galatians 5, 17. So we have to put the flesh under. And if there are people who don't know what they're called to do, I would strongly suggest that you begin to fast and pray and ask the Lord to show you, God, what is it that I am called to do? Because when you don't know what you're called to do, it's just frustration in life, coasting, trying to find your place, but you can't, so you're frustrated. And I would tell you that at every turning point in your life, every major transition, there needs to be fasting and prayer. I mean, of course, we do it every year. We spend time throughout the year doing it. But when you're getting ready to make a major transition, you better fast and pray. And what I mean by that is, uh, one of the first times I really started pressing in uh, was when I had to make a decision about when I was, where I was going to go to Bible school. And I was planning to go to one place, but I prayed and fasted. The Lord spoke to me to go to another place. Well, that's a major transition. It's a major transition. It would determine where I lived in the nation, who I would meet, what the connections would be, what impartations I would receive. Major decision. But I prayed and let the Lord lead me and guide me. Erica said, I found that when I got hungry for God, I was spending so much time in the Word that I just wasn't eating until it was time to cook dinner at night for the family. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can get lost in His presence. It's like I'm saying, it's amazing that we're here at day 17 already. It's amazing. It's truly amazing to me. And so you've got to get your direction. Every stage in life, okay, we moved on. Where, what am I going to do after college? Well, I fasted and prayed. Fa I didn't just make a decision, fasted and prayed. Fasted and prayed. Amen. When I met Carolyn, fasted and prayed. When I decided what we we're going to do, launching out into evangelistic ministry, fasted and prayed. Fasted and prayed. I tell you, we didn't even, we didn't even make a transition like we're doing uh, since last year we made the announcement with Miracle Word Church. That didn't just, we didn't just say, you know what, we should start a church. Sounds like a great idea. No, we were in 21 days of fasting and prayer and the Lord birthed it in our spirits. We were in Indiana when we finally got that green light from the Lord. You remember that, Tiff? We're walking along the river, me and Carolyn, and we came back from prayer, went to a cafe, began to talk, began to pray, and the Lord gave us a green light. We came back and announced it to the staff in the rental house. The Lord is uh, having us to start a church. Start a church. Well, that didn't come out of nothing. We didn't just decide to do it. It came out of fasting and prayer. We got direction. We got direction. Hallelujah. And now, here we are in another time of fasting and prayer, and God's getting ready to open the doors. God's getting ready to open the doors. Every major transition in your life, every step that you take, you, you need to have input from the Lord because it's His plan for your life. It's not your plan for your life. That's why I say on the broadcast uh, all the time, we don't tell our kids that when they grow up, they can be whatever they want to be. No, no. We tell them, you got to be what God called you to be. You got to be what God called you to be. I'm not in charge of me. God's in charge of me. The Bible says we are not our own. That means we don't belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price. I mean, let me tell you, Christian ladies, you can't even say scripturally, my body, my choice, because it's not your body. The Bible says your body has been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. Your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not your body. It's his body. Hallelujah. 
And so it's his body. It's, it's, I belong to him. I'm his servant. I'm his child. And I take my direction, my instruction from him. And when he speaks, I obey. Amen. But I got to hear what he says in order to obey it. And that's why it's important to hear the voice of the Lord. You want to eliminate frustration in life? Catch your purpose from the Holy Ghost. Find out what you're called to do and then begin to run at it with everything you've got. When I was a young minister and I would meet an older minister that had shaken his region or shaken the nation or shaken the world, I began to ask them one by one. Hello, Brenda in Pensacola. I used to ask them one by one when I'd meet them. If you could go back in time and speak to the 25-year-old you or the 20-year-old you, what would you tell, if you could tell them one thing, if you could tell them one thing, what would you tell that younger version of yourself? And here's the interesting thing. I did a podcast on this once. Most of them didn't know each other at all, had never met each other, and didn't know the answers the other ones had given, but many of them would give the same answer. I mean, like 90-some percent of them gave me the exact same answer. Exact. You know what they said? They said, find out what God wants you to do and then do only that thing for the rest of your life. Whoo! <laughs> Think about that. They didn't know each other. They didn't know the answers other had given, but they gave the same answer by the Spirit. They said, listen, I'd go back in time and tell myself, Find out specifically what God wants you to do and then do only that thing for the rest of your life. Do only that thing for the rest of your life. That's, that's what they told me. 90-some percent of the ministers I talked to, and I mean high 90s. We're talking like 97, 98% of the answers. That's, that's next level. See, that's the Holy Ghost teaching us something. Be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. You know Why? You, you can get it when you get in the word. I quote this to you often, Isaiah 48, 17. He said, I am the Lord your God that teaches you to profit and leads you in the way you should go. So when you go the way the Lord's called you to go and do the thing he told you to do, guess what? Guess what? Teaches you to profit. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. What's the result? I shall not want. I'll not lack any good thing. Hallelujah. I'm not lack any good thing. Eliminates frustration. Can I tell you? And I know people, people think you're nuts when you say stuff like this. I'm not struggling through life. I'm not, you know, you hear people, you know, brother, ministry's hard. You really, I've been in the ministry 20 some years, 20 some years. I have no, I'm not sitting here sat, telling you sad stories. I'm not sitting up here. I just want to encourage you. If there's any young people going into the ministry, Ministry's hard, brother. You got to be prepared. It's a hard way to. I don't have that story. I don't have those stories to tell you. Jesus said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that mean you don't have to exercise your faith? No. The enemy will try to attack you, he'll try to come against you, he'll try to stop you, but you've got the shield of faith that extinguishes every fiery dart of the wicked one. It's not hard to serve the Lord. It's not hard to do what the Lord's called you to do. Faith takes what was hard and makes it easy. I've preached that to you multiple times. Faith takes what was hard and makes it easy. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Find out your direction. Stay on it. 
till God gives you another direction. Amen. That's number one. Number two, this is number two, how to combat frustration. Eliminate wrong voices from your life. That can be done quickly. Eliminate wrong voices, destructive voices, toxic voices, confusing voices from your life. Eliminate them. Just eliminate them. I mean, if I had anybody, I've had people, you know, they're going to people I knew, people I knew from previous ministry, people, and that, you know, they, they, they flip, they go to another dimension. Who knows where their mind goes? Who knows where their spirit goes? And then I'm, I'm preaching the same stuff I've always preached since I've started preaching 20 some years ago. I actually started preaching when I was like 16. And I'm preaching the same stuff now that I preach. I preach faith. I preach the power of God, the covenant that we have with Christ. I preach the same stuff now that I've always preached. But these people, they go out in the left field, they change, and then all of a sudden they, you know, well, I don't know if I believe that anymore. And I, you, I think you're getting off into false doctrine. And, uh, you know, block. See you later. See you later. I don't have time to mess around with the drama because you can't keep your head screwed on straight. Because you don't know how to protect your mind from false teaching and you don't know how to properly discern the word of God and you've lost the faith. I don't have time to screw around. When Jesus is coming soon, there's work to be done. Block. I'm done. I'm eliminating these voices. I don't need, I don't need to be debating every day 13 people that don't believe what I did a live stream on. That doesn't mean I can't take correction because they they're not, first of all, they're not in position to correct me, but I do have people that are in position to correct me. And I talk to them often. But they're not. And you need to be like this. You don't have time to screw up. Listen, if they don't want to follow the Lord, if they don't want to live for God, if they don't want to value the word of God, if they don't want to move forward, the Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can they do it? I, I can't form relationships with people that always just want to combat me and, and debate me about everything that I believe God's doing and, and everything the word says that I believe. Okay, you don't want to follow it. All right, fine, no problem. But the Bible says when you find people that have a form of godliness and deny the power thereof, turn away from those people. Have nothing to do with them. That's my plan. That's my plan. Block, buy, pray God blesses you. I don't have time to mess with you. Amen. There's too much of the other harvest. I, I gave this analogy one time. When I used to live in West Virginia at my parents' house when I was younger, my, one of my chores was to cut the grass for my dad. And we used to have, I always thought it was funny because we had this old lawnmower. Uh, I think somebody had given us that, man, you had to pray in tongues just to get that thing started. You had to believe God to get that thing going. And uh, it was my job to cut the grass with that demon possessed lawnmower. And I noticed when I went away to Bible school, that's when dad bought a brand new tractor. I'll never, never forget that. Wonderful. Um, but I'm pushing that old green thing up and down the hill. And, uh, <laughs> and I, we had a place in our uh, backyard where a tree had been cut down, but the stump never removed. And I used to cut our grass in a square pattern. I would just go up and uh, keep getting tighter and tighter into the center of the yard and cut it in a square pattern. Well, there's going to come a time, if I'm cutting the grass that way in a square pattern, where I'm going to be coming right at that stump. I'm be coming right at the stump uh, with the lawnmower, with the push mower. Well, I could, if I was a dummy, stand there in front of the stump and just keep trying to push the lawnmower through the stump in the grass. 
and then get all frustrated and turn the lawnmower off and go inside and say, Dad, I can't cut this grass. There's a stump out there. I can't, I can't get the lawnmower to go past the stump. I could do that if I was a dummy. Or you could just do what any intelligent person does. When you get to the stump, go around, cut around it, and then keep cutting in a straight line. And anybody, anybody in their right mind knows to do that. But how come nobody does it in life? How come you meet one stumpy-headed person and people spend 14 years banging their head off of one stumpy-headed relationship that's just a hard-headed jackanapes? You thought I was going to say something else. <laughs> Jack and, and you're sitting there and people won't receive and they always want to argue. They always want to debate. They got something to always got a, re, a rebuttal to something you said. And always going to send you a, a, a YouTube video about how that type of preaching is false prophecy. And it's like, all right, chill, dude. I don't, I'm done. <laughs> if you don't want it, bye. I'm going to go around you and keep on cutting. There's a harvest to be reaped. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let my whole a Christian life be halted because of one stumpy-headed relationship. I'm going around you, and I'm going to keep on moving forward. I feel like that's a lot of people in the comments tonight <laughs> because there's people that need to hear this. It's like, like no, no matter what you say or do, there's an argument. <laughs> that's right, Erica. Remove the strife from your life. That needs to be a T-shirt. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, block, see ya. I just lost your number. Everybody put it in the comments tonight. New phone, who dis? And these are your response. Pop it up in the comments section. New phone, who dis? I'm sorry, I lost your number. <laughs> That's right, boy, bye. I don't... I'm not saying that. I was reading the comments for I was watching the replay. <laughs> I'm not like a, well, that's it. <laughs> New phone, who it is? I don't know who it is. <laughs> I don't know who it is. I've lost your number. <laughs> Bye, Felicia. I've lost your number. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got no time for that kind of nonsense. Life is too short to deal with that nonsense like that. Doesn't mean you stop loving people. Doesn't mean you stop praying for people. It's just, I can't spend all my time debating somebody that has a spirit of unbelief resting upon their mind and they won't do anything about it because they won't study the word. They won't press into God's presence. There's work to be done. There's, new, there's work to be done. So number one, people got no direction. Number two, People allow wrong voices. You don't need every voice. You just need the right voices. You don't need every voice. You need the right voices. And so make sure you have the right voices speaking into your life. Who are those people? Voices of faith. Voices of encouragement. Voices of love. Voices of wisdom. Amen. You know, you know the kind of friends I want? I want the kind of friends like the man on the mat had in the Gospels, paralyzed, but they believed God so much that they picked up the corners of his mat, and though he couldn't move and needed a miracle, they brought him to Jesus. I need the kind of friends that if I'm being attacked, something going on, I need the kind of friends that'll put their arms under my armpits and lift me back up and say, you're not, 
you're not ending here. This is not your ending. You're, you're, we're just getting started. We're bringing you to where the anointing is. I need the kind of people that'll pray for me, that'll fast with me, that'll praise with me, that'll rejoice with me, that'll give with me, that'll live with me. I need the kind of people that won't turn back. That's what, that's what you're believing for. That's what I'm believing for. I need those kind of friends. The ones that'll go up to another level with me. Amen. You say, what are you talking about? Well, when you look at that man who was on the mat, isn't it interesting? Yeah, they tore the roof off. Yeah, sure they did. But let me tell you something. In order to do that, in order for that man to get a miracle, he had to get on the roof. But he couldn't by himself. But the friends got up there first. Which you know what that means? He had friends that were also willing to go to another level. Hallelujah. He had friends that were also willing to go to another level. That's what we need. That's why we've put the Victory Tribe together. That's why it's so wonderful to get together with the Victory Tribe banquet and to see everybody get together and start hanging and fellowshipping and talking and taking pictures and, uh, and seeing you know, people in, in real life, in real time. It's wonderful because we're building an army of people that are of like faith, like-minded. Thank you, Jesus. Building an army, God's doing it. It's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. But God's doing it. We're the, we're the ones that'll lift each other up, encourage one another. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. Glory to God. Proverbs 27, 17. And so I want you to see this now. That's Number one, lack of direction will frustrate you. Number two, wrong voices will frustrate you. Number three, insufficient resources will frustrate you. That's number three. Insufficient resources will frustrate you. Hmm. What does that mean? You've got a, uh, you've got a calling, you've got a purpose, you've got a vision, no resources. Nothing more frustrating than having a vision, a calling, and a purpose, and no resources to launch forward with it and to do what you're supposed to be doing with it. Amen. That'll frustrate you. Oh, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm called to do. I know where I'm called to go. I got, I've got everything in my spirit. However, I've got no resources to do what I'm called to do. That will frustrate you. That will frustrate you. So you need the resources. People that don't have resources always sit around talking about what they could have done. I'll tell you what, man, I, I, if I had the opportunity, I could have I put together, I could have done this, I could have had this, I could have, and, and I'm telling you something, people that don't have it, and that, that, there's where I have to uh, bring some teaching. I see in the comments, I've been praying for financial breakthrough in 2023. You don't pray for financial breakthrough. You can't pray for financial breakthrough because financial breakthrough is not released through the power of prayer nor is financial breakthrough released through the power of fasting. Financial breakthrough is not released by the power of praise. Financial breakthrough uh, is not released by church attendance or faithfulness. Financial breakthrough is only released scripturally by sowing financial seed. It's the only way it comes. Because listen, you can pray till you're blue in the face, but if you don't have any seed in the ground, ain't no, there ain't no harvest coming back. You can pray till you're blue in the face, you can praise, you can shout, you can dance, you can run around the church, you can be at every service that the doors are open, you can, uh, you, I mean, there's, you can, it doesn't matter, but there's no seed in the ground, there's no harvest coming back. So notice how we pray. I want you, see, I want you to, and, and I love Glenn's, Glenn's right one step ahead, I want you to watch me 
That's why, you know, not that I'm, uh, I'm not saying that out of pride. What I'm, say I'm saying what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Let me tell you what I've learned in the last 25 years. What I've learned is that you've got to pray and ask God. See, once he knows your heart, look at it as a timeline. The reason harvests aren't coming back is because insufficient seeds are in the ground. Well, ins insufficient seeds are in the ground because one, one of a few things may have happened. Either number one, there's a bad track record of sowing and God stopped giving you seed because you're not a sower. He only gives seed to the sower. And so if you've had a bad track record of sowing, and God's not gonna keep putting seed in your hand to be wasted. The other thing is, you may have eaten your seed or consumed it upon yourself. And God said, well, no, he's taking my seed. He takes the tithe, he takes the offering, and he just consumes it on himself. He does, he's not doing, it's funny to me, people get a little extra money, they forget that God's the blesser. All, all of a sudden, sunglass hut and footlocker just gets hit up. <laughs> oh yeah, happens every tax season. But if you eat your seed, consume it upon your own lusts, as the book of James says in chapter five, that's something that'll hurt you when it comes to harvest coming back. And so you don't, you don't, you don't sit back and say, well, I'm just believing, I'm God. Now, come on, Lord, come on, Lord, come on, Lord. I'm believing, send a breakthrough, send a financial breakthrough. Send a, I'm believing, hallelujah, send the financial breakthrough. Put on increases coming. Put a, it doesn't work that way. And so notice what I do, and I'm teaching you this because I want you to be blessed. If you're gonna ask the Lord for anything, say, Lord, and if, you, if that's been you in the past, then say, Lord, forgive me for not being a sower. Lord, forgive me for consuming all of the extra on myself. Forgive me for eating the seed. But Lord, I ask you now, as you forgive me, I ask you, and I dedicate myself, I vow, I will be a sower, a generous sower in the kingdom, and I ask you, put seed in these hands. If you ever hear me pray on this broadcast, what am I always praying? What's my prayer every time we get together? My prayer is this, Lord, put the largest seeds in our hand that we've ever sown this year in Jesus' name. Well, that's a scriptural prayer, isn't it? Because we can then back that prayer up with 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that tells us he gives seed to the sower. And so if we're going to pray, the, the prayer that we pray needs to be this, Lord, put the largest seeds. I stopped praying a long time ago when I was young in ministry and the Lord dealt with me on that. He said, you keep praying for financial blessing. It doesn't come through prayer. He said, it comes through sowing. Ask me you, you're, what you're really asking me, and this is, how he, this is how he corrected me. He said, what you're really asking me for is larger harvests. That's what you're really asking. He said, so don't ask me for larger harvests. He said, ask me for larger seeds. And that's what I started doing. And so when you've heard me like the other night, I gave you the parameters that Carolyn and I put on ourselves and on our ministry that every year we will sow more cumulatively to the kingdom than we ever have and that we'll always sow the largest one-time offering we ever have. That came out of the Holy Spirit correcting me and saying, don't, don't ask me for larger harvests. Ask me to put larger seeds in your hand because the reason that you've not had larger harvests is because you've not released larger seeds. And so sometimes what can happen to us 
is that we can get into a place where we're comfortable sowing the same thing over and over and over. It becomes kind of like our standard offering, right? Oh, it's offering time. I'm going to give 100. It's offering time. I'm going to give 250. And it just becomes so comfortable. It becomes so common that it begins to mean nothing to us because God keeps increasing, but our seed's not increasing. So I said, Lord, I'm going to stay introspective, but I'm also going to ask you, put the largest seeds in my hand that I've ever sown this year in Jesus' name. I saw somebody put in the comments, all my extras already given. I'm not taking an offering. I'm just teaching you what I mean by when I say insufficient resources. We don't pray and praise God that you're a giver, but we're, we don't pray for larger harvests. We don't pray for financial breakthrough. No, no. We pray, God, give me larger seeds than I've ever sown this year. Let me give more to your kingdom than I've ever given this year. Make me a pillar of generosity in the kingdom of God this year in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, you'll see my faithfulness in action. You'll see my diligence in action that I will be a blessing to the kingdom. I will be a blessing to my generation. Lord, give me uh, resources to bless the poor. Lord, give me resources to bless uh, my pastor, the men and women of God that have poured into my life. And I'm telling you, when you act like that, God does it. God does it. I like, I like what Pastor Mark Hankins said. Pastor Mark Hankins, he said, if you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. Hallelujah. If you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. And he absolutely will. But you know why he will? Because he loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Praise the Lord. That's right. Look at that. Yanil even remembers the previous teaching we did. We talked about kingdom slice, where we said, if we looked at the expenses that left our hands in a year's time, if we looked at everything that left our hand and we made a pie chart, this much went out to bills. This, one, this much went out to groceries. This much went out to entertainment. I want the slice that's the largest in my pie to be what went to the kingdom that year. And that's what we thank God for because it's massive. But I want to get to that place where it's always, I want it to keep taking up more and more space on my pie chart. I want the kingdom slice to be the largest slice. Hallelujah. I want the kingdom slice to be the largest slice. That's it, Stephen, because I want to see you increase. Stephen, I want to see you abound, like the Bible said, to every good work. I want to see you uh, go to the next level consistently. And we got, there's only one way to do it, God's way. There's only one way to do it, and it's God's way. I had to take the same correction from the Holy Spirit, change my whole life, change my whole ministry. Everything began to go higher when I got that principle. Stop praying for increase and begin to pray that God gives you the fuel for increase. That's a seed. Hallelujah. That's a seed. Thank you, Jesus. Number four, what's the fourth, fourth reason that... Uh, people are frustrated. They've got no impartation connections. No impartation connections. None. None. Absolutely none. And that, that's, a, that's a mistake. Uh, I don't have it here on the desk, but I wrote a book called Further Faster, and it's all about impartation. You don't have to bring me one. It's all about impartation, how the power of impartation allows God to accelerate the purpose on your life through that force of imparted 
wisdom, anointing, strength, gifts. Amen. And it's, it blows my mind how even, even in, the, in the world of ministers, it blows my mind how many ministers are lone rangers. Well, who speaks into your life? Well, you know, I, I let the Holy Ghost speak. In it. Yeah, but who's that's a man speaks into your life? God didn't just l- release the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, he gave gifts unto men. What For what point? The perfecting of the saints. What are you, what are you so prideful as a minister that there's no other minister on this earth that can speak into your life? Nobody? Really? There's nobody. They, people get so prideful. There's, they won't even go sit in anybody else's meeting. If they're not the speaker, who are you? Jesus? There's no other minister on the earth alive right now. And there's people that get all caught up. Well, I listen to a lot of Smith Wigglesworth. Okay, he's dead. Well, I like to listen to a lot of Brother Hagin. Good, he's dead. He's in heaven. I listen to a lot of John Osteen. Wonderful. Keep listening to him. He's dead though. So who alive on the earth right now? It's not like God doesn't have any mighty men on the earth right now that are shaking the world. Shaking the world. Stop looking behind you. They're dead. They're gone. They're in heaven rejoicing. Find who's alive now. Smith Wigglesworth can't lay hands on you. John G. Lake can't lay hands on you. Kenneth Hagin can't lay hands on you. John Osteen can't lay hands on you. So who's alive that can impart to you? Who? I'll tell you, I keep people in my life that I'll go. I don't care. Um, I don't care because, you know, it's not like we don't do meetings. I did 190 services last year, 190, 41 weeks of revival out of 52 in a year. It's not like we're not preaching, but I still go. I still go. I have uh, people in my life that speak to my life that, that lay hands on me. The first one is my father, my father, who's not just my natural father. He's my spiritual father. And he prays for me and he lays hands on me and he gives me correction and he helps guide me, gives me wisdom. And that's something you have to have. Our, obviously our pastor, Bishop Rick Thomas, he speaks to me, gives us wisdom, prays for me, lays hands, laid hands on me tonight in church. Before I came here. Amen. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. He prays for me. He's a blessing to me. I just talked to him yesterday. I said, Dr. Rodney, you've been such a blessing. I told him how he was a blessing to me uh, from the beginning of our ministry. He, I mean, he's, he's so often a blessing that he didn't even remember doing it. I said, do you remember this? And I was talking to him. I said, do you remember this? When I, this was years ago. This was probably this was probably, uh, at this point, 12 years ago, probably 12 years ago. And uh, I said, do you remember this? I said, I was getting ready to go on the radio probably 12 years ago before people were even live streaming services. I said, so I don't even know how you found out about it because I had announced it that night. I announced it that night. And I went to dinner after the service to the Applebee's with the, with the pastor and the staff. And I get a text message on my phone from Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. And I mean, it was the same night. He said, heard you're going on the radio. I say, I'm like, how in the world did he even find that out? Does he have like spies in every state at every revival? He said, heard you're going on the radio. I said, I am. He said, how much will it cost you to go on the radio? And I told him. And he said, well, send me your bank account information. I'm gonna send you two months worth 
of bills paid in full. And the next day, uh, he was a blessing. He said, I don't even remember doing that. I'm <laughs> well, he's doing so much. But I'll go to where he's at. He'll, he's laid hands on me many times, imparted many times, many times. And I thank God for him. I thank God for his ministry. Let me tell you something. If people are embarrassed of people's ministries, they're fools. If people, I've, heard, I've heard people talk. You know, don't think I haven't heard people. There's people that talk like that about my father. I've had people talk like that about our pastor. There's people that talk like that about Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Well, you know, we'd have them in, but they're a little bit overboard in some of the things they believe. Okay, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because these men are shaking their regions in the world. So what are you doing? That your, that your stuff is so important that you can't have a mighty man of God into your church that'll shake it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Well, you know, we'd have them for a week of meetings, but, you know, their meetings run long and, you know, we have a kid's class and we have to get people home because it's a school night, you know, and we've got a lot of, pe we've got a lot of people that, you know, they, they have kids in school and so, you know, we don't want to keep them too late. Okay, keep sending them back to the public schools that's trashing their mind and indoctrinating them into the spirit of the world and the Antichrist system. And you can't take seven days out of your year to have an extended revival at your church with a man of God that's shaking the nation. You wonder why people's families are in shambles. Because you got to get, and you know people aren't going home to bed at nine o'clock. You're up till one in the morning watching Netflix and scrolling through your phone and watching YouTube. I don't know what pastors are doing. They act like people go home and get in bed at 8.30. People aren't going home and getting in bed and going to sleep at 9 o'clock. People get, oh, you know, we'd, ha we'd have them in. You know, we'd have your dad in, but like, you know, he makes a lot of people uncomfortable with the gifts of the Spirit, you know, and so we just kind of, you know, we just, pre I like to just preach Jesus. You know, Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit, genius. And it blows my mind. People say, I, I just can't understand why we don't have any church growth. You know, we, we're going to do the each one reach one system this year. Yeah, it's because you don't give a crap about the Holy Ghost. That's why. That's why. That's why your church isn't growing. That's why you don't have a move of the Spirit, because you don't care. You know, we would do that, um, but... You know, we have a lot of people that are business people in our church and we don't, we don't want to like offend, you know, that they've not, they're not really, they're, they're not really used to the Pentecostal flow yet. So we don't want to like freak them out. So we're not, yeah. And they're never going to get used to it either because you don't have a Pentecostal ministry. You know, we do that on our small group nights where we more get into like, you know, talking in tongues and um, doing that kind of stuff where we'll have people prophesy to each other and stuff. We do that more on small groups. Yeah. That's why your church is still sitting at 60 people. You don't need small groups in a church that has 60 people. Your church is a small group. <laughs> it's like, you ever think about that? Your church of 60 people doesn't need small groups. It in itself is a small group. <laughs> yeah, Glenn, embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. Let me read you a scripture about this. Because I don't give, let me tell you something. I don't give a crap. What people say about my father, I don't give a crap. There's people, I had somebody that dealt with me about like, I don't like the way your pastor takes offerings. I don't give a crap what you think about it because your ministry is very small and his is big. He has a lot of fruit. You barely have any fruit. So I don't give a crap what you think about their methods. I don't care. You know, I, I don't, you know, 
I've, I've seen Dr. Rodney's meetings like online and I see like the way those people all laugh like that and stuff. And I just don't know um, if that's really God. I think a lot of it's, um, I think a lot of it's really the flesh. I don't give a crap what you think. When he's doing one of the largest things in the nation of America, I don't, I don't care. Set up in the middle of COVID, set up a, 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 a pavilion outside that they're filling with thousands of people. Call me back when you've done something even close to that size and produce fruit for the kingdom. Until then, I don't give a crap what you think about it. Not any. Not any. I don't want to hear it. And there's reason, people don't have a move of the spirit and then they're wondering, they're all frustrated. I don't know why, you know, we're not really able to get a real strong move of the Holy Ghost in our church. It's because you, you, it's because you lightly esteem the move of the spirit. That's why you don't care about it. And I'm going to read you a verse from first Samuel chapter two. The Bible says, um, and these were because this was because they were lightly esteeming the Lord, even in the old Testament, uh, first Samuel two 30, listen to this. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that your house and the house of your father would go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. If you despise the anointing, don't think that the anointing is going to stick around and work for you. You despise the anointing. It's not going to stick around and work for you. I've watched over the years about, uh, of the, and I, and I don't pray for this to happen. I don't want it to happen, but I've watched over the years, the people that mock, uh, my father's ministry, people that mock the gifts of the spirit that speak against people like my father. I've watched, guess what? The majority of them aren't even in the ministry anymore. Used to have thriving ministries. And then they got off into being embarrassed. They had to get slick so that people could, they could be digestible to people that weren't on fire for God and started talking about it. Well, the, you know, the, let me tell you something. They're not even in the ministry anymore. Don't even have a church. Don't even have their wife in, anymore. You think I'm playing around. I'm being very serious. So let me tell you, when I hear people coming and talking about what they, I don't give a crap what you think about the, the style of their ministry or the way their ministry functions or how they do what they do. Until you've done anything of worth, I don't want to hear it. And obviously I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to people that, that talk like that. Amen. And I, and, I don't, and I don't care. And I'm thankful. You honestly think? You think I'd be ashamed? I am Pentecostal to the bone. I am Pentecostal slash charismatic to the bone. You think I'm ashamed of any aspect? Any aspect. You think I'm ashamed of the word of faith? You think I'm ashamed of all the people that get on and say, that word of faith is a bunch of heresy. You think I care while they're doing podcasts in their basement and just reviewing what other successful ministries are actually doing and, and doing for the Lord? I'm not lying. You go through YouTube. There's tons of channels that all they're doing is podcasts in their basement where they play clips of successful ministries that are actually producing for the kingdom and then sit there and give commentary on it. They pause and they give commentary. And you're in your basement with your wife and puppy. Meanwhile, they've got thousands being shaken by the power of God and salvations through the roof. So you just keep on doing your little podcast in your basement with your, you know. 
mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And people don't have any impartation connections. But let me tell you, when you have, when you have an impartation connection, you better be willing to take the heat for it. And of course, I'm always going to stand with my father. I don't, care, I don't care what anybody would say about him. But there's a lot of people, they're not your family. I have an impartation connection. I have a, connect, a covenant connection with our pastor. The Lord put me here. I didn't come here by myself. If you're Labradoodle in your basement doing a podcast. <laughs> I didn't come here. I came here by an instruction from the Holy Spirit. God connected me. That's it. Hallelujah. Think I care? The, you know, I... There's people, let me just say how far this goes. There are people that they care so much about what the, the public thinks. I saw there was a guy, he's now, if I said his name, you'd know who he was. He's, he's an author, he's a well-known minister. And he was at a, an event with Dr. Rodney, a, a big like uh, a, event where it was like they were pushing, um, you know, pushing uh, um, salvation and, and, and revival for the nation. And they took a picture together on stage, and he and the guy posted it to his social media, and people started blowing it up because it was Dr. Rodney. Oh, you like him? Now, he's a heretic. You, you, and he literally apologized for taking a picture with Dr. Rodney. I'll be more careful uh, from here on out about who I take uh, pictures with, and I'll be more sensitive. Uh, so what are you, in third grade? Take your testicles out of your wife's purse and stand up for the things of God. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, you know, I know Dr. Rodney is very, he's very uh, controversial. Who cares what you think and who cares what people think? Until you've done, have you ever rented Madison Square Garden for weeks and held a revival in, in the center of New York City? Then shut up. Then shut up. Well, you know, our church really doesn't do uh, salvations like that. We actually, we don't really think that that street ministry, have, okay, have you won thousands to the Lord through another form, in in another method? Oh, no, you haven't? You still have the 60 people? Then shut up. I, I don't understand people's nonsense. It's like, can you imagine going into a hospital and, and like going to the, to, the, to the surgery gallery theater and watching uh, doctors perform surgeries and then afterwards turning to the people in the theater, like, you know, I, I've never approved of doing surgeries this way. Oh, really? How many surgeries have you done? Well, I've not done any, but I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. And I, I think, shut up. Nobody cares what you think about how they did the surgery. You've never done one surgery. Let me tell you, this is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of super heavyweight dudes on Sunday morning or afternoon in a lazy boy with a wife beater on with like a pile of nachos to their right and sour cream on their lip yelling at Tom Brady on the television because he threw an incomplete pass. It's like, dude, forget about playing in the NFL. You can't get out of your chair. So nobody cares what you think about Tom Brady's pass. He made, he made more money throwing an incomplete pass in that one play than you'll make for the rest of your life. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And, and I'm, I'm blown away when people are so prideful that they, that they won't have impartation connections. What's, what's, the, what's the deal? I need, I need the touch of God. And I'm not looking for it from dead people, by the way. 
I love Brother Hagin. I went to his Bible school. He was still teaching there while I was a student. He laid hands on me. He prophesied over me. But I, and I still listen to him preach on YouTube. But I'm not, I'm not going to go to Tulsa and find his grave and lay on it and ask, and ask God, uh, Lord, I'm sucking, I'm soaking the anointing out of his grave. I'm not doing that. There's people on the earth. Remember, the anointing is the Holy Ghost. There are people on the earth who are carrying the anointing and shaking this nation just like Brother Hagin did when he was alive. People are living in the past. We should probably just retitle this broadcast, I Don't Give a Crap, which is probably what we'll end up doing. Because <laughs> I don't. But you need it. If you're going to remain frustrated, if you're going to try to learn everything by um, trial and error, God doesn't want you learning by destruction. God wants you learning by instruction. He doesn't want you to have to go trial and error, trial and error, hurt, I tried and failed, tried and failed. How about just receive some impartation from people that have been there, done that, and got the t-shirt, and then, all of a sudden, an impartation of wisdom has moved you forward beyond where you could be for yourself. Glory to God. It'd be a wonderful thing. Don't neglect, and of course, I'm not, I know the Victory Tribe doesn't uh, think like that. You believe in impartation. You push for impartation. But let me tell you, there's people that do. They treat it just like that. And they're ashamed of it. And they don't do it because they're, they're worried about what people will think if I get around this preacher, that preacher, if I get it, who cares? Who cares? You, you, you don't be the person that's got no impartation connections. Don't be that person. And when you find that impartation connection, God let, links you up with, be a blessing and stay connected. I'll tell you something about impartation that I learned from Bishop David Oyedepo. And I don't attend his church. I've never been to his church. I've seen him when he's come multiple times when he's come to the U.S. I've sown largely into his life. He's laid hands on me multiple times. He's prayed blessing over me multiple times. I thank God for him. I've received the word impartation from listening to him preach on YouTube multiple times. But uh, one of the things I learned from him through his preaching about impartation, and, and I want you to put this down. I know we're going a little bit later tonight, but th this just, this needs to be said. Because we don't need to be going through life frustrated. Um, he said this when preaching. I was in Queens, New York at, the Queens, at Queens College. And he was preaching on impartation. And he said this. He said, you know, uh, impartation is like a ladder that allows you to go up to a place that you couldn't get to by yourself. But he said, uh, don't allow yourself to seek out impartation just to use it to get to a higher level or use that person to try to, uh, get in with others. He said, remember this, and this is what I want you to write down. Remember this. You don't just need a ladder to go up. You need a ladder to stay up. Put that in the comments because that, that will help people. You don't just need a ladder to go up. You need a ladder to stay up. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, can you imagine if you live in a place in the country where you have to clean out your gutters, there's, there's leaves falling and you got to get up on a 20-foot ladder to clean out your gutters. Imagine, you know, you put that against the house, say, hold the bottom of that for me to whoever's helping you with the ladder. And you lean that ladder up, climb all the way up to the second story of your house to clean out the gutters. And they, all right, you up there? All right, good, good, good deal. And pulls the ladder out from under you. You don't need that ladder just to go up. You need that ladder to stay up. And you don't break from impartation connection just because you move to another level. I don't need a, 
Yeah, you still need impartation. You don't just need a ladder to, to go up. You need a ladder to stay up. Hallelujah. And that's an impartation connection. It's not like the disciples learned how to pray for the sick and they're like, all right, Jesus, we don't need you anymore. We got this. You can retire. We'll, we'll ta- we'll, us 12 will take the ministry from here on out. No, no, they still needed Jesus. <laughs> and I don't know if you know it, but after Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven, they were still praying in the name of Jesus. They still need Jesus. Hallelujah. You need impartation. And finally, let me just say this before I pray for you. Don't buy... Do, do everything you can to eliminate any kind of discouragement from your life. Things that are discouraging to you, just eliminate it. Eliminate it. I have, I'll just give you a, a pro tip. Let me give you a little insider tip. I have zero things in my life that bring discouragement to me or put, it, put discouragement in front of me. Nothing. Nothing. I've disconnected myself from any person that's a discourager. Number one, they go quickly. They go quickly. So number one, I have no relationships with discouragers. And if I discover somebody is a discourager or um, when I say discourager, I don't, I don't mean just like talking to me, but everything I say or everything I propose, well, that'll never work. You know, there's plenty of people like that in church. You know, you, you, you propose something. Well, you guys think about doing this. We could do this kind of outreach. Oh, that'll never work. That'll never. I, I've been around too long. I've seen too much. That'll never work around here. You've got tons of those people at church. Bye. Any, anything like that that would, that would frustrate me and discourage me, that's not on my team. It's not in my life. I don't have friends like that. I don't have anybody on the team like that. No voices. No voice. I don't put things in front of my eyes also that discourage me. I put nothing in front of my eyes that would be a discouragement to me. Everything that I allow into my life is going to bring me either joy or peace. It's going to be, it's going to bring me, even, even social media, even social media. You better believe it, Glenn. They suck the faith right out of the room. But I'll tell you, even with social media, I've had, I've gone through and clean, I'll go through and clean stuff up. Twitter, Instagram, I don't go on Facebook anymore, but you know, Twitter and Facebook or Twitter and Instagram, I'll go through there. If there's people always posting nonsense, that's like always like a downer, anybody else feel a heaviness on this Monday? It's like, what what is the point of posting that? Anybody else feeling like this Monday will never end? It's like that's actual, people post actual stuff like that on Facebook and Twitter. It's like, who are you, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Hi, Winnie. It's like, what's, what's the point of preaching? Or, 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 yeah, preaching preaching doubt and unbelief is what they're doing. What's the point of talking like that and posting that? <laughs> Marissa said, I started cleaning Instagram today too. If I see that kind of nonsense, it's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm out. Hey, Pooh. I, I don't have any Eeyores in my life. And that might be too that might be too old of a reference for some of the people on, but there's a lot of people watching know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Hi, Rabbit. <laughs> I, I have no Eeyores in my life. No Eeyores. 
I got no, no joy drainers. I got no discouragers. I'm done. I'm done with all that. Anybody, that's right. Come on, Ryan Scully. Tiggers only. <laughs> Tigger was excited about everything. It didn't matter what it was. Only Tiggers. <laughs> Where are my Tiggers at? <laughs> only Tiggers. He was excited about everything. It didn't matter what it was. And he's bouncing around on his tail. He's just, he's just bouncing around. I need that. I need that. Right? Just pure energy. I need that. <laughs> Take her in the house. I need just people bouncing around, excited for the next thing. What's God saying? What are we doing? Let's do it. I, I need that. <laughs> Remember, he was like, he was always, he was always excited. I don't know where this broadcast has gone, but we're still here. Only Tigger's in the building. I just need the people that are excited about what God is doing. No discouragers. And you know how they always, <laughs> let me help you. You know how they always disguise it? Well, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm just a realist. Okay. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a realist. <laughs> I always say that. I'm not a discourager. I'm not a discourager. I'm just a realist. Yeah, I, I guarantee, you know, I think Winnie had a food addiction. No lie. You go back and watch those cartoons. Winnie had a food addiction. <laughs> Let me just tell you something. If you get your head stuck inside of a honey jar to lick the very bottom of the jar, you may have a food addiction. I need Tiggers in my life. I need the people. I need the people that are excited. They're ready to roll. That's what the Victory Tribe is. I mean, let me tell you what made me so happy. We did the Victory Tribe banquet, and we're out there, and I see Ninja Buddha's on, makes the best honey that you can get your hands on, by the way. Um, and we're, we're there at the Victory Tribe homecoming weekend, and I, I, here we go. We put the, the, the video on to show you uh, what we did over the last um, <laughs> over the last year, and then all of a sudden, we give you the church announcement. And I was interested. I want to see how the Victory Tribe is going to react to the next thing God's doing. And can I tell you, we got the video of your response. And you know what happened is that we gave the announcement of what God said to do in the next move, and people came out of their seats. People were shouting. People were screaming, people were dancing, people were lifting their hands, people were crying, people were clapping. You know why? Because we've got a victory tribe full of tiggers. Excited people, excited people, ready for the next thing God has planned for us. I am so thankful. I can't even begin to tell you how happy I am that we've got no Eeyores in the building. I didn't hear anybody going, you know, the interest rates are climbing. <laughs> Oh man, I'm so, I'm so thankful nobody stopped me in the lobby after the announcement of the church. Like, you know, property values in West Palm are very high. <laughs> I don't need that. I need faith people. They're like, it doesn't matter what the property values are. It doesn't matter what the interest rates are. If God's in it, God's going to provide because he's more than enough. He is, he is Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, we might just have to make a Tigger shirt, Liz. 
That's it. I, Erica, I need some people that'll speak the word only. Come on, J.P. Caldwell. We need some people that'll speak the word only. And watch as God performs what he always does. It's what he said he would do. Glory to God. Cut that. Anything, this last thing I'll say, I know. I know, I know you got to get in bed. <laughs> I know you got to, I, I know you got to cover up. But uh, last thing I'm going to tell you. Um, anything that you see that's an entrance, anything, anything <laughs> that's an entrance of, of discouragement. Now Shawnee's got me, she's going to another level now. <laughs> anything, anything that's an entrance for discouragement into your life, cut it off. Shut the door on it. Shut the door on it. Shut the door on it. Can I, can I give you one more passage of scripture? Then we'll pray and I'll send you to bed. You can get yourself like a hot tea with some cream, a little broth. Thank the Lord that tomorrow's day 18. <laughs> Taco Tuesday's coming. It's coming. Hold on, somebody. <laughs> Mark chapter 5. <laughs> You know, I didn't find out until like a long time later that sometimes when people put emojis up in the comments section, like the system doesn't recognize them or whatever. And so it just looks like we, like you typed weird stuff. Like it was like orange cat eyes, hands waving. It's like, I thought you were having like a mental breakdown. And then I realized, like, is he in the middle of a stroke while he's writing that? Then you realize it's emoji that, you know, the, the system couldn't recognize. Mark chapter five. Jesus goes to pray for Jairus' daughter. He said, would you come to my house, Lord? Would you pray for my daughter? She's sick unto death. She's on her deathbed. He said, absolutely, I will come and I will pray for her. I'll come to your house. I'll heal. And as they're on the way, right? As they're on the way, they knew that he went to get Jesus. But here comes a messenger. No use tra troubling the master any further. Your daughter's dead. No use troubling him. And, and Jesus, what did Jesus say? I want you to look what he said. Jesus said, do not fear, only believe. And the Bible says by the time they got to Jairus' house, they were all outside weeping. They were all outside and they were uh, in a place of mourning because now she's dead. And look what Jesus said. The Bible says in verse 39, when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now look at this. And they laughed at him. And they laughed at him. But they laughed at him. Let me tell you something. If you're speaking faith and people are laughing at you, laughing, making fun of you, mocking your faith, uh, mocking your faith confession, that's a discouraging thing. I don't have time for that. I don't need to listen to people's discouragement. They can mock all they want, but they can do it in another place. Not doing it on my uh, direct messages, on my timeline. They're not doing it in my text messages. They're not doing it on a call with me. They're not doing it in the living room at my house. You can mock all you want. You can do whatever you want, but it's not going to be in my presence because I don't need it. And neither did Jesus. So the Bible says, and they laughed at him, but he put them all outside. And the Bible says, I love that. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He locked the door on them. 
He said, you want to you be discouraging? You want to have doubt and unbelief and you want to mock God's power and you want to sit there and laugh when I say she's not? Get out. Jesus kicked him out. My father preached a message for years entitled, Shut the Door on Your Miracle. Hallelujah. Shut the door on your miracle. Shut the door. Shut the door on unbelief. Shut the door on doubt. Shut the door on mockers. Shut the door on discouragement. Don't allow it entrance into your life. Shut the door. Don't allow discouragement to be in your life. I'm not going to live frustrated because I allow things in that frustrate me. I've got control. Remember this now. You've got control over your atmosphere. You've got control over your house. You've got control over your contact list. You've got control over your social media. You've got control over whether you hit the green accept the call or the red decline the call. You've got control over it. Don't feel guilted into keeping people around that constantly have a bad confession and contradict the written word of God. Don't feel any kind of loyalty. Well, you know, I've known them since high school. All right, leave it in high school. If you want to, go back and look at their picture in the yearbook every now and then and say, God bless them. But you don't need to keep people around. Well, you know, brother, I just don't think that's going to work. You share. Let me tell you a sign. If, if you share your vision with somebody, listen to this. Here's a test. This is a litmus test, and we'll pray. If you share something God said to you, or if you share your vision with somebody, and the, the immediate thing that they say to you, well, you know, I can see a few things in that that I don't think are going to work out. I can see a few areas where I, don't, I just think that you're, it's, it's wishful thing. If they start poking holes in the thing immediately, if, the, you know, if it's not like, praise God, that's exciting. I can't wait to see what God does through that. If the first thing is, well, do you really think now's the time to launch out into that? I mean, have you seen the economic climate? And have you seen what the culture's doing right now? And did you see the interest rates? I mean, if that's the first thing out of their mouth, it might be time to say, you know what? Maybe you're not the one to share vision with. Maybe you're not the one to, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, that's a, that's a sign. I need people that are going to be like, yes, let's jump. Because let me tell you, faith, you're not going to know everything ahead of time. I'll tell you, we'll launch Miracle Word Church this year at some point. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know how it's going to go. I just know the Lord said to do it. I have no idea how it's going to go, except I believe it's going to be wonderful because the Lord initiated it. It's his vision. It's his plan. So I'm not going to say, now, Lord, I'm not starting anything until you give me the whole plan. Lord, I'm not going to step out by faith at all until you, uh, I want you to give me a hundred, uh, first I want you to give me a hundred families. I want to make sure everything's paid for a year in advance. I want to I'm not doing all that. That's a good way to never do anything for the Lord. That's a good way to never do anything for God because God doesn't give you the whole story right up front or it wouldn't take any faith to do it. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so it's a dangerous thing. Don't sit around and say, well, you know, I don't, you don't need everything. And, and what's going to happen is the Lord will ask you to do something and you got to jump. You got to jump. When he says go, jump. And then when you jump, he'll follow up and he'll provide and he'll take care. But be careful hanging with people that have a very hard time when the Lord speaks to you to do something and you're ready to jump. And they're like, well, brother, I don't know. I think you need to use wisdom. Yes, use wisdom. But the greatest wisdom there is, is obeying the voice of the Lord. Amen. Greatest wisdom there is. 
And so I'm just telling you, I'm excited about what God's getting ready to do. I'm excited <laughs> about this next season. I'm excited about what God's going to do in your life. This can be the great. I'm talking to the faithful now. This is going to be the greatest year you've ever experienced in Jesus' name. It's going to be the most wonderful year that you've ever had. Bye, Dave. It's going to be the greatest year you've ever had in your entire life. You're going to get to the end of this year and lift your hands and dance. It's going to be praise break time when you look back over 12 months and see how much God did in a short period of time. And you'll just shout. You'll get to the place where you're ready to shout it. And you'll say, it's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. That's where you'll be. That's where you'll be. Not sitting back Wondering, I don't know what we missed in 2020. No, no, no. It's not a year to miss things. It's not a year to diminish. We're not called to diminish. We don't wither. That's not who we are. It's greater, greater, greater. The path of the just is a shining light that shines ever brighter until the perfect day. That's going to be your story. Father, I pray tonight for every one of your people. I thank you for their hunger. I thank you for their faith. I thank you, Lord, for their obedience. And now I am asking you in the name that's above every name, Jesus, that you would work quickly in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that as we step out by faith and put ourselves in position in this first quarter, that we are in position for the mighty, overwhelming blessings of heaven to come upon our lives. It will blow the minds of even the unbeliever and the believer included, what you're about to do. Even those who have faith, even those who are trusting you fully, their minds will be blown because you're a God that goes beyond. You're a God that does exceeding abundantly and above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. And so Lord, I'm asking you now, to do a quick work in our lives and businesses, ministries, and families in 2023. I pray, Lord, that you'll move so quickly among your people that by the time we get to the end of June and get ready to start the next half of the year, that we'll have to come up with all new prayer requests because you've answered all of our prayers that we had for 12 months. You answered them in six months, Lord. We thank you that you'll work and move quickly like that because your word declares that God sends his commands to the earth and his word runs very swiftly. So we thank you, Lord, that your word is running swiftly for us. We thank you that it's not only running to us with a blessing, but it's running ahead of us and making the crooked places straight and removing obstacles, opening doors, making a way where there was no way. We thank you for it. We give you praise for it. We give you honor and glory for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, and if you believe that and receive tonight, thank God that it's already done. He's working on your behalf. Things are already happening behind the scenes. I'm just telling you, you ought to get ready to just shout ahead of time. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.